It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling groovy. Good morning. Welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. Dar has the day off today. Well, I don't know if she has the day off, but she's not in the studio today. <laughs> and I'd like to ask everyone who is listening right now, how did you all sleep last night? Did you fall asleep when your head hit the pillow and sleep for eight undisturbed hours? Well, I sure hope so. But I also know that many, many people have a variety of sleep problems. So we've dedicated the next hour to this very important topic. And joining me today is Kate Crosby. She is also a nutritionist, and she sees clients at our Lakeville office and teaches there, as well as teaching throughout the Twin Cities. So Kate, it's great to be on the show with you. And can you just remind me what series you're teaching right now and where? Sure, Cara. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be on with you. Well, right now I'm teaching the Weight and Wellness Series in Lakeville. I'm teaching it with a number of other nutrition educators. It's a fun, fun group. Um, I also do community ed classes, corporate presentations, and those individual consultations in Lakeville. Didn't you just do a two-hour class the other night in Apple Valley? What class was that? Gut reaction. Okay. Digestive health class. Digestive health. Very important one. So sleep. Hmm. Hmm. (laughs) One thing I've noticed is a lot of my clients, even class members, don't really know that they're not getting enough sleep. You know, they they very rarely check the insomnia little box on their forms. But once we start talking, I often find out that they're really only sleeping five or six hours at, you know, any night. Mm -hmm. On average, like five to six hours? And they get through the day by drinking a lot of coffee, a lot of soda. But they're really, really tired. Sure, low, low of course. Energy, of course. Now, of course, you and I would consider that a sleep problem. I, I would consider, you know, on average sleeping five to six hours and only being able to get through the day with caffeine a sleep problem. But isn't it interesting that when we have that little insomnia box to check, people don't check it because maybe they're just artificially stimulating themselves and they're thinking, oh, well, it, doesn't this happen to everybody? I think that's <laughs> the truth. Yeah, figure every it, this is just the way it is. It just kind of becomes the norm. Yeah. So yeah. So can you talk about what is considered enough sleep? Because quite often I'll hear things like, you know, I don't need a lot of sleep. I always just wake up after sleeping for six hours, so I must my body must not need more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you hear that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's just take it from the National Institute of Health. They did a study in 2006 and found that, on average, adult Americans sleep 6.1 hours on weeknights. But, you know, Cara, about 100 years ago, on average, people slept 9 to 10 hours every night. Okay, so that's 3 to 4 hours more More. than the average right now. Yeah. And kids and adults, we know, need 9 to 10 hours of sleep. And, you know, kids and adolescents, basically, and, and adults need... Maybe eight, but I know that uh, any adult that I work with does a whole lot better the next day if they've had nine hours of mm-hmm. sleep. 
Isn't that something? And I, I always refer back to not needing the alarm. Yes. On those days where you don't need an alarm, you know, how many, how hours, many hours do you, do you sleep? sleep? Yeah. And a lot of times it's eight, eight and a half. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we know that lack of sleep causes fatigue the next day. Um, there's a lot of other negative side effects from lack of sleep. It can make yeah. us irritable, short-fused, un- not to mention unfocused and forgetful. I mean, it really can affect memory. Yep. And it can really lead to anxiety, depression, and that's actually just the beginning of, of all the, the things. List. Yeah. The whole list. Yeah. I've even heard that it causes constipation in people. Oh, really? I have. Yeah. That's one I have not heard. Yeah. So Columbia University School of Public Health found that people sleeping less than five hours a night doubled their risk of developing high blood pressure. Interesting. And I know Dar has talked about that in the past Mm -hmm. when we've been on the show together talking about sleep. Mm -hmm. Because she tracks her blood pressure. Yes. And she'll see that it goes up. I think she said five or ten points. With a lack of sleep. With just the next day with a lack of sleep. Hmm. And I came across some research that stated sleep dysfunctions can cause accelerated tumor growth. This is fascinating. Isn't it? So Mm -hmm. increasing the risk of cancer. Um, And this has to do with the body producing less melatonin. And melatonin, it's a very important antioxidant that helps fight free radicals that could lead to cancer. Well... You know, an adequate, adequate sleep always helps just generally your overall immune function. I mean, I'm sure you remember those days when you feel like you're getting a cold or a bug or the flu, and you decide, I'm going to have a really, I'm going to go to bed early, try to get a good night's sleep, try to ward this off, and you wake up the next morning and your cold and flu symptoms are gone. Mm-hmm. It, it, sleep really is such a great remedy just for keeping a healthy immune system. It is, and especially in the winter when there's a lot of bugs going around, it's yep. even more important to keep that immune system strong. Um, another thing, lack of sleep can cause a pre-diabetic state. Hmm. So it raises blood sugars. It also makes people feel hungry even after they have eaten. It leads to slower metabolism, and it leads to weight gain. And some of this mechanism is from an increase in a hormone called cortisol. A lot of people have heard that term before and know that too much cortisol, it actually turns off our fat burning switches and can lead to higher risk of obesity. You know, that's exactly what happened to uh, a woman in one of my weight and wellness series classes. She would comment um, that if she started gaining weight, the first thing she would do is start to sleep more. <laughs> Isn't that so? And she noticed a difference that she quickly. Knew Right away. And within a week, she would lose weight just by increasing her sleep. And, you know, Cara, I know you're aware of this, that there are just bazillions of studies about the connection between sleep and weight. But one study from 2006, which included 68,000 women, found that those who slept less than seven hours per night gained more weight than those who slept or we're sleeping more than seven hours per night. Isn't that interesting? So that's a huge study, first of all. Almost 70,000 women. Yeah, that's huge. And <clears throat> seven hours. I mean, we know from our clients, our class members, just people that we know, our family and friends. Yeah. Many people are not sleeping seven hours. No. Um, but also look at the rates of obesity. Of obesity. Mm-hmm. 
And we know that one in three Americans experience insomnia on a regular basis, and 10 million Americans fill prescriptions for sleep aids. And these, we're not talking about over-the-counter sleep aids. We're talking about 10 million people filling hypnotic, sedative, pretty, you know, prescription sleep aids. And so because we know this is such a huge problem, I think we need to discuss what the different types of sleep issues are. I agree. So one of the first symptoms of, of insomnia or having a sleep issue is not being able to fall asleep. Okay. So... Not being able to get to sleep. You get in bed and you toss and turn. Can't turn that mind off. Something's going. Maybe maybe your TV is on. Maybe your computer's on or maybe your phone is next to you. (laughs) (laughs) So not being able to fall asleep. And then another one is not being able to sleep through the night. Yep. So, you know, some people can get to sleep and then they wake up like two, three, four hours later and they're just laying there. And, you know, some people are lucky enough to have both those Oh, those poor souls. Well, (laughs) I've been there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, we can't forget about restless leg syndrome. You know, that's when your partner is (laughs) kicking you through the night and it's keeping you awake. Yeah. Well, and then there are those people who actually would be sleeping just fine if they would go to bed earlier or if they could allow themselves to sleep a little later. Now, of course... We realize that frequent waking may not be in the control of parents of little kids who are usually awakened by their little ones early in the morning. (laughs) Right. We do want to kind of put that disclaimer out for those of you thinking, but you don't understand my situation. (laughs) (laughs) We know that there are things that are out of control. And but if it is in control, like if you can. If you're just not sleeping enough because you want to do one last thing at night or have the TV on, like you said, or the computer or your cell Mm -hmm. phone, it's really worth it to get that extra hour for overall health, metabolism, and just productivity. Yeah. So that's quite a list that we um, just went over, different types of insomnia. And like I said, I've had personal experience with, actually, I'll admit, about Three out of four of those. No restless leg syndrome, but the other three I've experienced. So um, I'd like to give some helpful tips, but first we do need to take a break. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Speaking of restless leg syndrome, Hmm. 10% of Americans suffer from this. And it's a condition where there's an uncomfortable urge to move the legs, especially right before falling asleep. Kate mentioned that one cause of restless leg syndrome can be a magnesium deficiency. I don't know. Actually, did you mention that yet? Not yet. <laughs> Sorry, we're going to talk about gonna that talk when about we come that. back from break. But stay tuned because when we come back, she'll talk about magnesium and then other solutions for this common problem. But please call us today with your questions. It's 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition counselor and educator. I'm here today with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist, and we're talking about solutions for poor sleep. So if you or your partner have restless leg syndrome, you might want to know that you might be deficient in some minerals. And the ones that are most commonly um, associated with restless leg are a deficiency in magnesium, 
which we'll talk about. Calcium, potassium, zinc, iron. It's really important to see your doctor to rule out anemia as a possible cause of restless leg syndrome. And all of those are actually fairly common mineral deficiencies. Um, But I want to talk more specifically about magnesium, because magnesium, about almost three quarters of us are deficient in this, but the deficiencies of magnesium can lead to over 20 different pretty Hmm. serious health conditions. Hmm. You know, magnesium is the relaxing mineral. It relaxes your muscles. It's really calming. It's, It's really beneficial for all kinds of insomnia. And because it's got those relaxing properties, it's really great for restless leg syndrome. Also for other kinds of muscle constriction and tightness. I had a a woman in a class that I taught who used to carry around her magnesium glycinate in her purse because she had restless leg. And she would pop one or two. (laughs) And within 20 minutes, she was relieved of all of that constriction. So it can work that quickly. Yep. There's several new studies that um, show that magnesium supplementation can help improve sleep. And Mm. one study, it was with adults over age 51, and the study found that 320 milligrams of magnesium helped to improve sleep. And then a different study with children, and this was ages 5 through 12, and this population of children had ADD. The study found that 80 milligrams of magnesium improved their focus, and helped correct sleep problems. And these, just for the record, these are amounts they used in the studies, but many adults and children are so deficient in this mineral that they would need higher doses than the doses that I just talked Mm -hmm. about. You know, but not to worry. Magnesium is water-soluble. It's safe to take at high doses. We even find that some adults need 1,000 milligrams or so to get to sleep. And, you know, children could use even as much as 400 or 600 milligrams a day, depending upon their age, their needs, what's going on with them. Sure. You know, and everyone has a little bit different scenario. Yes. Um, But there is one form of magnesium that's the most absorbable for everyone, and that's magnesium glycinate. That works best for sleep, actually, out of all the different magnesiums that are out there. Now, it's not very common that people would get loose stools from this magnesium glycinate. But if that happens, once in a while it does, I just Mm -hmm. tell people, cut back your dose a little bit until your bowel function is back to normal. And that usually works great. Yeah. So if someone's specifically having problems falling asleep, I usually have them take some magnesium. And if that's not totally doing the trick, then I might... Add some other options. For instance, um, I might add 5-HTP, which is the amino acid that works to shut off that brain chatter, that worry, that incessant um, thinking about things that wakes people up in the middle of the night. 5-HTP calms the mind. Well, it's, you know, it's the precursor to serotonin, which is our calming neurotransmitter. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Yeah. So you could take as much as, you know, you could start with 50 milligrams before bed of 5-HTP, up to 200 for some people. Yeah. And, you know, at certain times that really works for me. I don't Mm -hmm. take it every single night. Um, But at one point I was taking 200 milligrams about a half hour before bed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I generally take 50, 100 milligrams and have a much different sleep. Than I would if I didn't take it. It's much deeper. Much deeper. Okay. 
Yes. Good. I don't wake up to go to the bathroom as often. Isn't I mean, that interesting. It's just yeah. Okay, Kate. Well, we do have a caller online. Hmm. Let's go for it. Hi, Judy. Welcome to the show. What's your question today? Well, good morning. Good morning. Um, I I was listening. I'm just hearing what you were saying about magnesium, and I really agree. It's been very helpful to me. Hmm. But I have a question related to calcium. Sure. Um, I had seen my doctor earlier uh, this week. Uh, for a physical, and she recommended that I take 1,200 um, uh, either IUs or milligrams of calcium. And unfortunately, I didn't ask her which one. I wonder if you could help me with that. Yes, definitely. That's a great question. Um, for calcium, it's, you know, just for listeners to know, all minerals come in a more or a less absorbable form. So they're not... <laughs> All minerals are not the same. So like we had talked about magnesium glycinate being absorbable. Calcium also has forms that are more absorbable. Um, Citrate is a very absorbable form, and that's pretty easy to find. There's one that's actually more absorbable because it's actually a live bone. And of course, I'm not going to be able to say the whole name, (laughs) but it's M like Mary, C, H, C. Kate, do you by chance know? I can do the first part. There you go. Microcrystalline. Okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> Microcrystalline. It might. Oh, hydroxy apatite. Is that it? Something like that. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, MCHC <laughs> is the acronym, and I, you know, we carry that product by Metagenics, and that's actually the most absorbable form. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Great. Thanks for calling. Well, I guess. Well, here's my my the other part of my question was: Would it be milligrams then? Yes. yes. Okay. Not IUs. Another okay. good question. It's milligrams for calcium. Okay. Thank you so much. Have I'll, a great day, Judy. Yep. You too. Thanks. Okay, Kate. Five HTP. Mm-hmm. You were Pretty talking helpful. about that. Now you know. Don't fret if you've tried some of these things and they have not worked. There's always another solution. Especially when it comes to sleep. There are lots of ways to approach this. Yeah, and not everything is going to work. No. For, you know, people are just so different. Mm-hmm. But melatonin is another supplement that can help people get to sleep. And it's good to take that about a half an hour to an hour before bed. And people find, you'll find doses ranging anywhere from one milligram to about 10 milligrams. And I would start out with anywhere between one to five milligrams. And you can always increase it if that's not enough. Um, And one more thing about melatonin that I was just researching yesterday is that it's really only effective as a supplement when your melatonin production in your body is low. And, you know, we find that, or the research finds that low levels are most common in elderly people. Hmm. But really, it's possible that any age group can be low, you Mm -hmm. know, children or adults. For sure. And, you know, I think I want to reiterate what you were saying, Cara, about um, the number of different ways of approaching insomnia, at least through supplementation or diet. There are lots of different ways to go at it and lots of different supplements that may work for someone and may not work for someone else. But because insomnia is so crucial uh, and, and such a big problem for us in our society, and, and yet it affects so many aspects of our life, it's not something to take lightly. It's really worth using trial and error method to figure mm-hmm. out 
what's the best solution for you so that you can get a good night's sleep? Yeah. You know, you might have to try magnesium alone, and then you might have to add 5-HTP. And if that's not working, you might try something else. But there are many, many different things you can use. Thank you for saying that, because I know even with clients... When people are suffering, and this is very debilitating, I've had Mm -hmm. clients crying Mm -hmm. because they're so sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And I completely know where they're coming from. I really do. I've been there. Yes, you do. But I think it's frustrating when you come in for an appointment and you try adding magnesium, 5-HTP, and melatonin, and then you don't sleep that night. Yeah. Don't throw in the towel. (laughs) We have There are are other ways to go. There's other ways. So if your issue is not falling asleep so if, if that's not your issue but if your issue is waking up at mm. like three or four in the morning and not ever going back to sleep or just even lying there for a couple of hours oh that's so what kate do you have a recommendation for that well i usually think of that as being low blood sugar that happened to me the other night did it i forgot i didn't eat a very large dinner i was extremely tired I went to bed without a bedtime snack because I was so tired. I figured, well, I'll just sleep. Two o'clock in the morning, I'm wide awake. My blood sugar had tanked. And um, so it's, it's my solution to that low blood sugar, uh, waking up in the middle of the night due to low blood sugars, to take a bedtime snack. It usually helps you sleep through the night. Perfect, but not any bedtime snack. Well, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) You know, a high sugar or a high carbohydrate bedtime snack like popcorn, cereal, toast, crackers, ice cream, chips, (laughs) alcohol. You know, those create, sometimes people get to sleep initially, Mm -hmm. but they're going to create a huge blood sugar spike. And that means blood sugar is going to come crashing down in the middle of the night and that will often wake people up. Because low blood sugar actually does create a rush of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. And so if you ever wake up and you feel like you're wide awake, like you just had a cup of coffee, that is often low blood sugar. That's that adrenaline rush. Yep. Um, It's tough. Yeah. And what a stressor that is. It's a huge stressor on the body. Mm That's like the flight. It's really the, I want to say, fight Fight or or flight flight. response. Yeah. 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 So, you know, often we have clients eat a balanced bedtime snack that's low in carbohydrates, but also contains a healthy fat, something like heavy cream or maybe almond butter or maybe some avocado because fats aren't going to create that blood sugar spike. So then your blood sugar doesn't crash a few hours later, causing you to wake up in the middle of the night. I mean, one of my favorite bedtime snacks is heavy cream and berries. Oh, that's such a wonderful snack. And that cream really works to stabilize the blood sugar throughout the night. Absolutely. So callers, go ahead. I was going to say, we have to take a break, but callers stay on the line. We'll be back in a minute. Um, You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are discussing sleep and how to get more of it and better quality. Sleep apnea is a potentially serious sleep disorder. It affects about 20 million Americans. It's associated with snoring and irregular breathing throughout the night. Breathing actually stops for as long as two minutes at a time, resulting in oxygen deprivation. Hmm. But, you know, many cases of sleep apnea are improved with weight loss. So whatever your reason for wanting to lose weight might be, whether it's sleep apnea, reducing blood sugars, to have more energy, or hey, if you just want to fit in your clothes better, 
we would like to share some upcoming classes with you when we come back for our break. So questions, give us a call 651-641-1071. If you're like me, you try to eat right, but the definition of healthy eating seems like a moving target. Should I eat low-carb or low-fat? Do eggs and butter raise my cholesterol? Is coffee good after all? Don't rely on sound bites and infomercials for something as important as your health. You deserve recommendations based on biochemistry. Nutritional Weight and Wellness is offering My Talk 1071 listeners a complimentary e-newsletter that is chock full of nutrition information and tips. The Weight and Wellness Way newsletter provides sound information and practical strategies from a nutritionist's perspective. Learn a natural approach to healthy eating based on real whole foods you buy at the grocery store. All this and best of all, it's free. To subscribe to the complimentary Weight and Wellness Way e-newsletter, go to weightandwellness.com and enter your email address. Then watch your inbox every month for nutrition news and special offers that will help you look and feel your best. For information on other services at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, call 651-699-3438. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And as we left for break, Cara was mentioning classes that we have. Um, And we've got several of our Nutrition for Weight Loss classes starting the first week in March. This is a really wonderful 12-week series that can be life-changing. So if you're frustrated with diet plans that are low-fat and low-calorie and just temporary solutions, these are the classes for you. They'll be just a breath of fresh air. We teach people how to eat real foods in balance that results in weight loss and reduced cravings and, boy, increased energy and well-being. These classes meet for one hour, once a week, for 12 weeks. That's a lot of support. Um, and also, they include two individual nutritional counseling sessions It's to really, really a, get you on track. It's a great deal for, mm-hmm. you know, getting the 12 weeks of support in addition to the two individualized sessions. And we're going to be offering classes starting the week of March 1st in St. Paul, Edina, North Oaks, Wyzetta, Andover, and Lakeville. So for more details on these classes and to sign up, you can either go to our website, weightandwellness.com, or you can call our office, 651-699-3438. We are open on Saturday if you had any questions or wanted to sign up for those via the phone. Okay, we have a couple more callers here. Good morning, Stacy. Welcome to the show. Hi, I have a question. I My son is almost six years old, and he still does not sleep through the night. And my husband and I sometimes take melatonin, and so I've read that it's okay to give to children, but I'm just not sure if it's okay to do for an extended period of time and how much I should give him. Well, that is a really good question. First of all, I'm wondering, have you tried magnesium with him? No. Mm. You know, Stacy, I would start there. Okay. It's more likely that, I mean, there are actually more children that are deficient in magnesium than adults. Um, the overall population is about 70%, but it's more like 80 to 85% of children are deficient in magnesium. Okay. So you could certainly try like up, up to 400 milligrams of that for him. Okay, and when do you give it to him, like before bed or? Yeah, I would give it to him, you know, anywhere from an hour to a half an hour before bed. Okay, okay. And All we right. actually carry a product I know one of our nutritionists, Cassie, uses. It's yes. um, water-based magnesium. Okay. So it's, you know, then you wouldn't have to worry about like a tablet or a capsule. Right, okay. All right. 
Great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And then, you know, you could certainly try melatonin if that didn't work. Okay. And I would probably just start with one milligram. Okay. But definitely start with magnesium. Okay. Great. Okay. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. Another one? Yes. Hi, Sheila. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for us? Yeah, mine's on my son as well. He's um, five years old, and if he even has any kind of nap during the day, it'll take until 11, 11.30 for him to go to sleep at night. And um, we've tried essential oils. We've tried magnesium. Um, I'm just wondering if the 5-HTP would help him. Mm-hmm. When he does go to sleep, he sleeps hard, but mm-hmm. we, and he's not cranky. He just doesn't fall asleep. What form of magnesium were you using? Um, I believe it was a glycinate. I'd have to check the bottle, but I'm pretty mm. sure because I heard it on your show. Hmm. How and you said he naps during the day? Well, he sometimes at school he does, but they're not allowed to give him any more than a half hour nap during the day because mm-hmm. otherwise it's just terrible. But when he's home with me, he doesn't get a nap, and okay. then he falls asleep earlier. Okay. So even sleeping a half an hour just kind of throws him off and. He doesn't sleep at night, huh? Right. Okay. Hmm. I mean, you could certainly try that 5-HTP. I mean, that's, um, you know, you'd probably just want to start real small with that, like 50 milligrams. So that's safe for children. That would be safe. It's an, yeah, it's an amino acid. And we know we do find these things in meat, Mm -hmm. leafy greens, nuts and seeds. Kate, can you think of something else? I am, I'm, no. Um, <clears throat> calcium, I mean, you know, some children are deficient in calcium. I don't know if you've tried like magnesium and calcium. Right. We, I mean, he takes nutritional supplements, you know, that are for children. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, we eat really clean. I just, I can't get this child to sleep at night. Mm. What's his bedtime routine? Oh, it's the same every night. You know, we eat dinner, we have a little playtime, we take our bath, we read stories. Okay. Um, hmm. You know, we'll have a snack. I mean, but he got up at 11 o'clock last night. You know, he was awake the whole time mm-hmm. and hmm. wanted, you know, we had chicken miso soup with berries and cream last night. And that's what he had to give at 11 o'clock. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, this has been going on his whole life. You know, I feel like you may, and I am not a parent. I feel mm-hmm. like um, I might be a little bit stumped right now. And what I'd like to do actually is to follow up with you and get you some more information. Um, okay. If you wouldn't mind, could you please call our office? Sure. And they can give you my email address, and I would okay. love to follow up with you. Okay. Okay? Because um, I want to do a little more research on that. And which one is speaking right now? <laughs> oh, sorry. This is Kara. Kara, okay. K-A-R-A. And just call our office, 651-699-3438. They can give you my email address. Okay. And then I will follow up with you. Perfect. Thank okay. you so much. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Kate, you had said, you know, bedtime snack. I know that's that so really important. Helps. She's already doing that, too. Yeah. Um, but hmm. kind of back to when people are typically waking up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That bedtime snack could be anything from, like I said, berries and cream and berries and cream. Milk. Anything with that high fat. Mm-hmm. So, like peanut butter with or almond butter with celery, mm-hmm. or even a piece of cheese and half of an apple. Sometimes, if I wake up in the middle of the night 
and just to go to the bathroom and I can't get back to sleep. I always get out of bed, go into the kitchen, and have some peanut butter or almond butter. I do the same thing. Do you? Oh, yeah. It works. I mean, I usually am back to sleep within five or ten minutes. Yep. Yep. But, you know, Cara, sometimes staying asleep through the night can be especially difficult for women who are in menopause or perimenopause. Sixty to seventy percent of us go through this, will have sleep problems. So one thing that <clears throat> is quite helpful in that situa- this situation is progesterone cream. You know, it, it, uh, progesterone is a hormone. It's produced when you're ovulating. So when you stop ovulating or ovulation slows down, so does your production of progesterone. So using a simple over-the-counter progesterone cream can result in sleeping more soundly throughout the night. It's wonderful. It is. And I know um, our producer said that we had a caller earlier hoping that we would talk about Mm -hmm. menopause and night sweats. And so we don't, you know, this is a show on sleep, so we can only touch on this. We actually have entire shows dedicated to menopause and hot flashes. Um, But I do want to quick mention that progesterone cream will often decrease those hot flashes and Mm -hmm. night sweats. And so other things for women to pay attention to, you know, if you're having night sweats, you really need to avoid alcohol, caffeine, high sugar, or high carbohydrate foods. So ladies, avoid these things, especially before bed. Have that balanced bedtime snack with fat, and you really should start sleeping better. And speaking of caffeine, Cara, that's been in the news lately. <clears throat> but caffeine really can affect you no matter what age you are. If you've got sleep problems, you really need to cut out the caffeine. So... Where do you find it? Well, obviously in the coffee, tea, especially black tea, sodas are full of caffeine, and so is chocolate. And, you know, some people are fine with a cup of coffee or tea early in the day. They still sleep just fine. Mm -hmm. But others are really, really sensitive to that caffeine, and that could be what's keeping them awake at night. You know, and I've always had sleep issues off and on, and Hmm. I do pretty well right now, but, you know, in the past, before I knew the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Protocol, yep. um, you know, I probably would drink caffeine later in the day, and I know that contributed to my insomnia. Yeah. So right now, I can do about a cup of coffee. I usually do half decaf, half caffeinated. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I might be able to do a black or a green tea, but I have to have it before noon. Or you're... Or I can't get to sleep. Yeah. 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 So it's time for our last break. Okay. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. And I'd like to tell you about a supplement I discovered the first time that I was on the radio, which was about two and a half years ago. And my mom, she's very knowledgeable about supplements. And she recommended that I try an amino acid called L-theanine. And at the time, I was using it to calm my nerves before the radio show. Uh But turns out... L-theanine can also improve sleep. You know, it's a stress reliever. It promotes relaxation, reduces anxiety, and assists with deeper REM sleep. So we recommend 1 to 200 milligrams before bed. And we'll be right back. We're back from break. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Kate Crosby, nutrition counselor and educator. Here with Cara Carper, licensed nutritionist. We've got a few minutes more of Dishing Up Nutrition. Just want to talk a little bit about prescriptions 
And insomnia. Anyone who's ever had a night of insomnia can understand how people will turn to prescription sleep aids. However, researchers found that up to 50% of those people who take sleeping pills find that their insomnia actually gets worse. Because actually sleeping pills are not curing the insomnia, and they may interfere with your REM, REM sleep. We're usually pretty successful at finding nutritional and supplementation solutions for insomnia. And one of the great things is there are no negative side effects. Right. And, you know, while we were on break, a caller, someone called in and just asked that we could repeat some of these supplement ideas. I think we've probably gone over a lot and maybe kind of quickly today. So just to recap, magnesium is a mineral. The most absorbable form is glycinate. That's wonderful for sleep, you know, anywhere from four to 600 milligrams. Melatonin, it's a hormone and an antioxidant. And we recommend starting with one to five milligrams. And again, that will only work if your body is not producing adequate melatonin. 5-HTP, which is an amino acid, it's a form of tryptophan, 5-hydroxytryptophan. We recommend... 50 to 200 milligrams, mm-hmm. mostly to help getting to sleep, right, Kate? Shutting off that brain shutting chatter. Shutting off that brain chatter. Sometimes it works for people to keep them asleep. Well, that's what you were saying, too, though. You don't get up as much when you take I don't. that. I have such a deep sleep with that. And I can tell you that my husband would attest for that as well. That's fantastic. So 5-HTP. And lastly, on our last break, I mentioned another amino acid called L-theanine. Um, And that is found naturally in green tea. Mm -hmm. It's a relaxant. It's for anxiety, stress, and it helps with sleep. And we recommend about 1 to 200 milligrams of that. So hopefully that answers the listener's question. We have our last caller here. Hi, Joan. Thank you for waiting. Welcome to the show. Yes. Hi. Thank you for taking my my call. You're welcome. Is, Is magnesium found at all in the environment naturally? Great question. Yes, it is. And, you know, one of the reasons that people are so deficient, though, is because our soils have been depleted (laughs) over the years. And so our foods are not as rich in magnesium as they used to be. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But we should find certain amounts of magnesium in meat, Yep. particularly, you know, animals that are (laughs) more pasture-raised. So meat, leafy greens... Nuts and seeds. Those are all good sources. Yep, they would contain the highest amounts of magnesium. Good, good. Thank you. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. Thanks for your question. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before our break, we were talking about caffeine. Oh, yeah. We cannot forget how important (laughs) it is to reduce or get rid of caffeine if you're having sleep problems. And so there was actually a news headline, well, it's coming up in the March... Journal of Pediatrics, right, Kate? Absolutely. They were reporting that those energy drinks that are consumed by 30 to 50% of the adolescents and young adults, these energy drinks, those ones like Red Bull, Monster Energy, and Full Throttle. And how big are those, anyway? They're they're like 32 ounces. (laughs) They contain three times the amount of caffeine contained in an average can of soda. So these drinks have also been associated with many adverse effects, especially in children. And we're talking, you know, serious adverse effects. Um, Things like seizures, 
diabetes, cardiac abnormalities, mood and behavioral disorders. And many of these kids I heard were being hospitalized for these things. The conclusions from the study found that the energy drinks really have no therapeutic benefit. But more importantly, many of the ingredients are understudied and unregulated. You know, there are tons of ingredients in addition to the caffeine. And no one really knows for sure how these ingredients interact with the caffeine or even with medication someone might be on. Right. I mean, who's tracking these things? You know, kids are drinking these. Mm -hmm. What if they're on medications Mm -hmm. and there was some kind of a contraindication? Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually have the study right in front of me here. I printed it earlier Mm -hmm. and it's um, energy drinks are consumed by 30 to 50 percent of adolescents and young adults. It's just Um, wow. Of the almost 6,000 caffeine overdoses reported in 2007, 46% occurred in people younger than 19. Mm. Several countries and states have debated or restricted sales Hmm. and advertising of these energy drinks. So, you know, it's adolescents who are the main consumers of energy drinks. And, you know, just think about the kids and young adults who are having sleep problems. Do you think this is related, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I used to think soda was one of the least healthiest beverages on the market. And now we have these energy drinks. It's like soda on crack, you know? (laughs) Higher and higher caffeine levels, more and more. But, you know, if, if you're really interested in increasing your energy naturally, a really easy way to do it is by exercising. Exercising at least 30 minutes a day can really improve the quality and length of your sleep. Um, Obviously, exercising too close to bedtime, though, might make it difficult for you to sleep. So plan it. Yep, plan that exercise. It's important to get, but it could stimulate you if you Mm -hmm. do it too late. Now, I want to talk about one of our nutritional weight and wellness teachers. Mm -hmm. She gave me some great information. She sent me an email, and I said, can I tell your name on the show and give your testimonial? So Oralee, she's a wonderful teacher. She teaches our Nutrition for Weight Loss series in Maple Grove. Here's her regimen for sleep. First of all, she notices a huge improvement when she exercises. She sleeps a lot better. Um, She says whether it's going for a walk, working in her yard, shoveling, she just moves her body. So that really helps. She also takes 600 milligrams of magnesium glycinate um, before bed. And FYI, this has really helped her chocolate cravings. You notice that right away with people. She did. And she says, you know, if I miss it for like a week, her chocolate cravings come back. Um, Okay. She also uses progesterone cream before bed. Hmm. If she comes home wound up, something else that she uses, and we haven't talked about this yet today, it's another amino acid called GABA. We call that nature's Valium. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that tells you how that helps. Um, So that really helps her unwind. And then, Kate, this one is kind of like this helps her how it helps you, the 5-HTP. Yep. She keeps it by her bedside. If she wakes up in the middle of the night, she'll take 50 milligrams, which is usually one capsule, and she goes back to sleep. Yep. And it keeps her mind from overworking and kind of just jump, getting jump started in the yeah. middle of the night. So thank you, Oralee, for That's letting us share tip. your tips with everybody. That is a great tip. Boy, there's so much to say about sleep. We could fill many hours on this subject. We could, I know. 
But I think one of the most important things that we want to get across today is that sleep can be improved with the right foods and nutrients. And that if the tips we've given you today don't allow you to sleep for eight hours, think about making an appointment to get a plan tailored specifically for you. So just remember, everyone, nutrition can be the problem or the solution. Thanks for listening and have a great day.